For the first time in over nine months, we have an actual football game to talk about. Texas beat Rice 37-10 to on Saturday, and we discuss it on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. You are Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, I'm discussing 10 things that I liked, yes, liked, from the Texas game against Rice on Saturday on tomorrow's episode or Tuesday's episode. We'll talk about the concerns and some things that need to be cleaned up before we head to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. And in the last segment Giving you an update, your Big 12 roundup, an update on all the teams in the Big 12 not named Texas from your least favorite conference. I guess all of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said, it's been a long offseason, over nine months since we talked about uh, the Texas and Washington game. But we actually have, you know, the space now to talk about a football game. Texas beating Rice on Saturday by 27 points. Good teams win, great teams cover. So we have to wait and see if this Texas football team will be a great team. They did not cover against Rice. But before I talk about the 10 things that I liked from their performance on Saturday, I want to share a proud professional moment that happened for me last week. I caught it about a week late, but thankfully I caught it nonetheless. During the basketball season, I never followed the Texas basketball page on Twitter, the men's Texas basketball page on Twitter, but I would see all of their content, right? Because I would go to their page a lot and I was just following them really closely, especially during the Elite Eight run. But since the offseason, I didn't follow them, right? So the algorithm stopped putting all of their stuff on my timeline. And so I was bored at work last week and I was like, let me go check out the Texas men's basketball Twitter page and see what content they posted. And I'm scrolling through and I find a hype video on Rodney Terry that was posted on the 23rd. I'm looking at this on the 31st. And about 15 seconds into the video, I hear my voice and I go, what? And so I rewind it and watch it again. And 15 seconds in again, I hear my voice and I realize that the University of Texas and the Texas men's basketball team, their official content creators, right, cut audio from Locked On Longhorns from my podcast and put it on their official content on their Instagram, Twitter and wherever else they put it. Right. So it pays to talk nice about Roddy Terry on the podcast. But it was just a super cool moment to hear my voice in official University of Texas content for audio to be cut from my podcast to be put into official, you know, Texas basketball content. I was just over the moon. My family and friends were really excited. I put it on Instagram and Twitter and got a lot of love. So, like I said, just a proud professional moment for me. And I'm thankful for all of the support. Right. I don't know if uh, that would be possible without all of the support I've gotten and. You know, hopefully my voice is in more content in the future, but that was just a super cool moment for me and wanted to share it with everybody that supports me on the show. All right. Now we'll talk about the football game. I had to talk about me for a little bit. Ten things I liked on Saturday. The first thing is the defensive line play was amazing. And I think when you play a team like Rice, you just have to physically overwhelm. Right. You are better than them. You are bigger, faster and stronger than them. You have better athletes. It should show up on the field. You should step on the field and dominate a team like Rice. And I know that Rice is better than they've been in previous years. They have a five-star in JT Daniels at quarterback, but Rice should not be able to compete on the same field as the University of Texas. That's just the reality, right? And I felt like the only unit that just physically overwhelmed the opposition 
in rights on Saturday was the defensive line unit. And we've heard all offseason that the defensive line might be the best unit on this football team currently after one week. I'll have to say they definitely validated that, right? So Vondre Sweat might have been the best player on the field. Uh, just his ability to get to the backfield, get to the quarterback and cause havoc up front. He was a monster. Byron Murphy, Vernon Bryden, Alfred Collins, and Baron Sorrell all jumped off my screen as well. And they're going to have to have a similar performance if Texas has a chance to beat Alabama on Saturday. But the defensive line was amazing. And like I said, I felt like they were the only unit. The defense as a whole was great. But the defensive line from the first snap, that Rice took, you knew that offensive line could not compete on the same field with our defensive line, and they manhandled them for 60 minutes, right? <laughs> like I said, the defensive line play was amazing. Shout out to Tarandre Sweat and all of those boys. They jumped off my screen for 60 minutes on Saturday. The second thing that I liked was the play of Xavier Worthy, right? And we know that last year was a down year, but we expected him to be a lot better this season. We expected the offense to be a lot better, uh, you know, this season as a whole. And I love, you know, Xavier Worthy coming off a down year talking about how he had to be better right as a leader he had to be better mentally you know spiritually and physically and he had to mature right and you know he had a lot going on you know last year um, a lot off the field and then he broke his hand on the field right so naturally you wouldn't see the best version of Xavier Worthy but I expect we'll see that in 2023 and I think Xavier Worthy is just unguardable in true one-on-one -on -one coverage because of his speed and his explosiveness a lot of times uh, you'll see a safety over the top or you'll see him you know, somewhat being bracketed. But when he's in true one-on-one -on -one coverage, he's unguardable, right? If you try to cover him at the line of scrimmage, you don't get a good press on him. Of course, he's going to run past you. And if you play off of him, right, to try to prepare for that deep ball, then he can eat up all of that cushion underneath and he has you off balance because at any point he can start and stop, cut, turn around, right, and make himself available to the quarterback. And you have to now catch up to him, right? And if you're off balance, he'll also make you miss in the open field. He's just unguardable when he's on, right? He's an underrated route runner. And like I said, he has the speed and quickness to make plays all over the field. And we saw that, right? An effortless seven catch for 90-yard performance. And he would have had about 120, 130 yards. He had the one play where he kind of dropped it and tried to catch it between his legs. And they deemed that the ball hit the ground. And then he had another play where he caught the ball for like 20 yards, but he stepped out of bounds before he caught it. Like, so it would have just been an easy, effortless, you know, 120, 130 yard performance or should have been. And I wonder why we don't go to Xavier Worthy more often in that 20, 10 to 20 yard range, right? It seems like we throw the ball to him a lot behind the line of scrimmage. And then, of course, we throw the ball to him a lot down the field, right? But it seems like really against the, you know, the whole first quarter against Rice and a lot last year, just getting him in that intermediate area of the field one-on-one -on -one is really good offense for Texas. And it feels like Steve Sarkeesian doesn't tap into that enough. Like to see that a little bit more in the Bama game and then moving forward this season because it seems like easy money for Quinn Ewers and his Texas offense. The third thing that I liked on Saturday was even though the play calling may have been a little bit vanilla, I don't think it was as vanilla as we convinced ourselves on Twitter, but it was vanilla, right? We will see a lot more against Alabama. We saw a good amount of motion and formation shifts. You know, we were talking in our Texas content creator Twitter group chat and Texas Homer was talking a lot in there. And he was saying, these are, you know, the basic principles and concepts of our offense. And a lot on Saturday, we'll talk about this more in depth tomorrow. It didn't feel like they were cleanly executing it. Right. And so it's like, you want to be able to execute these against Rice because these are the core concepts you're going to use against Bama, Wyoming, Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma. I'm not going to list the whole schedule, but you get the point, right? And so it's good that even though we were playing Rice, right, you still saw a lot of, you know, those motion and those formation shifts because those are core concepts of Steve Sarkeesian's offense, regardless if you're playing Rice or Alabama. And 
you know, even though the majority of the play calling was vanilla, I thought that the offense came out shakier than you expected. And so Steve Sarkeesian felt like he had to scheme up a touchdown. And so the first touchdown, you had the fake rollout to the left by Quinn Ewers. And then he turns around, flips around, and kind of throws the ball in midair to Jonathan Brooks on the screen behind him. And he scores on the touchdown, right? So even though the play calling was vanilla, we saw a lot of the core concepts of the offense, motion, and formation shifts. And I thought that Steve Sarkeesian still got in his bag a little bit just to let y'all know, right? Like, we're not going to use this against Bama, but we got some other stuff coming. I really like that screenplay uh, to Jonathan Brooks, and it was effective because Texas scored their first touchdown of the season on it. The fourth thing I liked was Sark introduced more RPOs. This is something that we saw a lot at Alabama with Tua Tungavaloa, and we felt like we didn't see it the first year, but maybe Sark didn't have his quarterback, but we didn't see it a lot last year either, right, with the RPO game with Quinn Ewers. And with the young quarterback who's struggling, who maybe is not seeing the entire field like you would want him to, at this point, I think the RPOs are a really good resource for a young quarterback in this offense because it simplifies what he's looking at and it simplifies his reads, right? You only have two decisions to make in the RPO. You're either going to run it or you're going to pass it, right? You're going to put the ball in the running back's belly. If it's there, you're going to give it to him. If not, you have a you know quick, simple route across the middle that you could throw it. And I think we saw... Um, you know, the first play of the game was an RPO to Jordan Whittington. We saw a big slant across the middle. That was an RPO to Jordan Whittington. I believe, don't quote me on this. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I believe the touchdown to AD Mitchell might've been on an RPO, but if not, that's kind of an RPO concept. You can easily go to, um, with AD Mitchell being isolated on the right side and running a slant. And then Quinn, you were scored a touchdown. It wasn't an RPO, but it was the read option, right? You read the defender, you either hand the ball to the running back or you run the ball yourself, which he did into the end zone. So obviously Quinn Ewers is still a young quarterback and there are still at times where he doesn't look completely comfortable in the offense. And I think RPOs are a way to make him more comfortable. It gives him quick and easy reads, right? You're either going to hand the ball to the running back or you're going to throw it to, you know, this receiver crossing across the middle and it freezes the defense, right? It gives the defense something to think about when you put the ball in that running back's belly, they have to at least respect it. Right. And once they do that, that wide receiver should be coming open behind them. So love to see more RPOs in this offense. I think that's going to really benefit Quinn Ewers this year as he continues to progress and develop, giving him easy reads, giving him layups that will push the ball down the field and give you more scoring opportunities. And the fifth thing I like, the last thing that I'm going to say I like before we go into our first break, I thought the linebacker play was exceptional. And that was really key because you lost Mo Blackwell for two to four weeks, probably won't see him uh until conference play right but Jalen Ford looked like the all-american he is right we know he's an all-american on the field and we know he's an all-american off the field in terms of his leadership his instincts and his preparation you saw all of that just on display on Saturday Jet Bush was very active right and we know we're gonna have to rely on him at least temporarily while Mo Blackwell is out and you're progressing some of your younger players but I thought Jet Bush like I said was very active and very productive on Saturday albeit against Rice David Bender you know there were some plays where you kind of scratched your head, but for the most part, he made some nice plays around the line of scrimmage. And you saw that athleticism and just that drive, that physical nature that David Bender has. And I thought Anthony Hill kind of showed up and showed out in his first game, right? Not a ton of plays, but you saw his pass rush impact, how explosive he can be coming off the edge. And we know he's a natural in terms of playing the linebacker position and shutting down the run game. So I thought that was another unit that I was extremely impressed with, just the defense as a whole. I thought the defensive line was kind of a step above everybody else, but you have to say that the linebackers and the DBs played exceptional football on Saturday as well. So those are the first five things I liked. A quick word from our sponsors, and I got five more right to talk about from this Texas football team's performance on Saturday. 
Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and can be used on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the National Football League. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so we're sticking with the defensive side of the ball. The sixth thing I liked from Texas' performance on Saturday was I really liked the coverage on the back end. You know, JT Daniels. You know, he's at Rice, and I know he hasn't had the career that most people thought he would. You know, even though he won a national championship, I always got to give him his flowers. National champion, uh, JT Daniels, even though he was on the bench for it, right? But he's still a really good football player, right? They have Christian McCaffrey's brother and I think Luke McCaffrey, and he looked, you know, somewhat explosive on Saturday, right? This is a decent Rice offense, and you got to go out there and play who's on your schedule. Right. And I thought that the coverage was really good on the back end. They made, you know, the Rice offense that I thought would show us something in the passing game look pretty pedestrian. Now, of course, with the play of the defensive line, right, they didn't have much time to complete anything in the passing game. But when they did get the ball off and try to attack our corners downfield, uh, there wasn't a lot there. And I thought that our corners showed up and showed out in coverage, especially Malik Muhammad and Terrence Brooks, two young corners who haven't had a lot of experience for this Texas football team. Malik Muhammad, of course, didn't have any. And then Terrence Brooks kind of had, uh, you know, some spots towards the end of the season as a true freshman, but not a ton. He doesn't have a ton of experience. And I thought when they were both targeted, they made some really good plays uh, deflecting the ball and not allowing catches in coverage. So shout out to those two young corners. But then Ryan Watts and Jade Barron, they more than held their own as well. Austin Jordan had an interception. They just rotated so many players on defense, Jalen Gilbo, and I felt like they all did a really good job against that Rice offense. The seventh thing I liked was Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue were very productive in the run game. You know, it didn't feel like we could get the run game going early. You know, Cedric Baxter got the uh, got the start uh, against Rice. I almost said something crazy. Cedric, Cedric Baxter got the start against Rice, and I know that was surprising to a lot of people. A lot of people felt like Jonathan Brooks was up next, and for the most part, based on what I saw on Saturday, I still think that Jonathan Brooks should be the starting running back for this football team. Now, Cedric Baxter did have the longest run of the day going for 32 yards on the run that he hurt himself on. But on his other four carries, he only went for six yards and it just didn't look like he was running behind his blockers. Well, maybe they weren't blocking well for Cedric Baxter and he was still running really high. Right. Didn't look like he was getting low and underneath his pads. And those are things you have to learn as a college running back. Those are things you can get away with when you're the best player on the field in high school, but not so much in college. Right. So, you know, hopefully I'm knocking on wood. Hopefully uh, Cedric Baxter is okay and he's able to play against Bama. I think that'll be a big loss if he's not. But I thought that Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue were very productive in the run game took that next step when they got in the game and got the majority of the touches, 22 carries for 107 yards combined between the two. And I think if the offensive line would have put 
forth a better effort, then I think they could have had more production in the running game. The eighth thing I liked was the defensive depth was noticeable. At least 25 players played on that side of the ball. Remember, there are only 11 starters, right? At least 25 players played on the defensive side of the ball. And to my eye, there was absolutely no drop off, right? Like I couldn't tell when you know, the backups were in there when the starters were in there until the end of the game when they gave up that touchdown, right? But if Jalen Gilbo was in there or if Derek Williams, the true freshman, was in there, Anthony Hill, uh, Austin Jordan, uh, whoever, right? Jet Bush, it didn't matter, right? It felt like the defense was flying and giving that Rice offense hell no matter who they put in. And like I said, for 25 players at least, right, for at least 25 players on the defensive side of the ball to get snaps, and for them to have a dominant performance for 60 minutes just tells you how well coached they are on the defensive side, the talent they have on the defensive side, and the depth they have on the defensive side. And like I said, they're going to need all of it on Saturday against Alabama and Jalen Milrow. The ninth thing I liked about the Texas football performance on Saturday was they forced three turnovers, right? We heard in the offseason that that's something that they wanted to focus on, right? Last year, they felt like they got a lot of pressures, but didn't get a lot of sacks. And they felt like they were around the ball a lot, but didn't get a ton of turnovers, right? And so we saw that in this game. Don't know how many sacks they got, but they definitely got to JT Daniels and got a lot of pressure on him. Like I said, that's something that's going to have to continue on Saturday against Jalen Milrow and not allowing him to rush for 200 yards, which I'm afraid he'll do. But also you forced three turnovers, right? Jalen Ford had four interceptions last year, and he started off early with an interception uh, against Rice. And then Austin Jordan was just in the right place at the right time when JT Daniels made a crazy mistake for a six-year player and just threw the ball in the air and thankfully Austin Jordan caught it and then Jet Bush like I said he was all over the field uh, he recovered a fumble as well so if we're talking about you know sacks and turnovers needing to be key components for this defense this year to be as good or better than they were in 2022 they started off on the right foot right they came out made sure they got to the quarterback and got JT Daniels on the ground and they forced three turnovers from a team that isn't that good. And to beat a team like Alabama, you're probably going to have to force a few turnovers next week on the road as well. And my last thing, it may seem trivial, right? But we're going to need it at some point. We didn't really need it uh, on Saturday, even though we had a few more of them than I would have liked, right? But at some point, it's going to come down to the wire. You're going to need Burt Auburn to either win or clinch or seal a game for you, right? And I thought that he was really good on Saturday. Special teams, right? They don't necessarily always win you games, but they very well can lose you a game, right? He was three for four on kicks, four for four on extra points. And the only kick he missed was Steve Sarkeesian getting cute and he tried a 56-yarder, right? I don't even think he would try a 56-yarder from Burt Auburn unless it was to win a game, right? Like if it was to clinch a game or anything like that, he might just punt it, right? I don't know if Burt Auburn has 56-yard range. There are kickers in the NFL that don't have 56-yard range. But outside of that kick, he was perfect. And like I said, you're not going to blow out everybody that you played this year, right? If Anything, the Rice game on Saturday should have evidenced that when we were in a dogfight with Rice for the whole first half, right? So you're going to need Burt Auburn to come in clutch and probably win some games for you this year, if not steal some games for you this year. And he looked really good on Saturday, like I said, going three for four on kicks outside of the 56-yarder and four for four on extra points. So tomorrow I will have some concerns. I know it wasn't all Kool-Aid. I know Texas wasn't the most impressive team in the world against Rice, and we'll talk about that tomorrow tomorrow. But the first time that we talk about football, an actual football game in over nine months, I had to drink some Kool-Aid. We're back like football, not Texas, but we're back. Right. And I, there were 10 things that I really liked you know, on Saturday. I might have 15 that I didn't like tomorrow, though. A quick word from our sponsors and then our Big 12 roundup telling you what happened to the other teams in your least favorite conference over the weekend.
The Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Their brews are great-tasting and award-winning and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited-edition experimental styles to add to their variety first-time customers can use code locked on at athleticbrewing.com to get 15 percent off your first online order that's code locked on at checkout for 15 percent off at athleticbrewing.com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fit for all times All right, here goes nothing. The Big 12 roundup from over the weekend. You know what Texas did, beating Rice 37 to 10, but you may not have had the opportunity to see what else happened in your least favorite conference, the Big 12. So we're going to start with Texas Tech, who, you know, Brett Yormark was hyping up the Brett Yormark Bowl, and they were big and mighty, and everything runs through Lubbock. And, of course, they lose to Wyoming the first game of the season. Look, I'm not going to take this opportunity to clown Texas Tech based on what Brett Yormark did last week. Uh, you know, Joy McGuire has talked all this trash about Texas only winning Olympic sports. And what did he say last year during the game? We knew if we punched him in the mouth, eventually they would fold. Like all that trash talking is cool. You know what I'm saying? And they lived up to it last year. They beat Texas. They beat Oklahoma. I think they beat Ole Miss in their bowl game. Right. So he backed up all of the trash talk. But like Shannon Sharp says, you have to update your resume. And what you did in 2022 does not mean anything in 2023. And it looks like the Texas Tech football team was still hungover from 2022 because in their first game in a in a season where they have outside Big 12 championship expectations, I wouldn't expect Texas Tech to make it. I wouldn't expect Texas Tech to win it. But if they did, I wouldn't be extremely shocked. There's a lot of people that are really high on this football team. And in your first game, you go out and lose to Wyoming. And, oh, yeah, now you have to play Oregon on Saturday who just won 81-7, to I believe, right? So – you know, Texas Tech talked all that trash in the offseason, how the conference runs through Lubbock, how recruiting runs through Lubbock. And now they are very there's a very real possibility that on Sunday they'll be an 0-2 football team. Wyoming. They lost to Wyoming. Update your resume, Texas Tech. Baylor, they lost to Texas State. Shout out to my alma mater. I saw all of my old classmates posted Texas Tech. I mean, Texas State beat Baylor. I'm like, we beat Baylor. And I don't know if this is, you know, I should praise Texas State or I should say, what's up with Baylor? Like, obviously, Baylor should never lose to a team like Texas State. Texas State does have a new coach. They did bring in, like, 40 new transfers. So this is a completely different team, right? And this looks like there is going to be a team that's for real, right, and dominating the conference they're in. I believe the Sun Belt, right? I went to Texas State. I don't even know. That's how bad they were in football when I was there. But still, as improved as they are, as competent as they might be now, Baylor should not be losing to a team in Texas State. And this just gives me all the confidence in the world that Texas is going to beat Baylor pretty bad when we play them in three weeks. If we get our shit together, let me not go with <laughs> Colorado and TCU. I'm not going to clown TCU like everybody else is. It's clearly it's clear that Colorado is just a good football team. Right. And it's clear that Colorado had no business being 21 point underdogs by the time this game kicked off. Right. TCU lost a lot of talent. And I think they're still going to be a really good football team. They still put up 42 points and. Their quarterback, Chandler Morris, was not even on the same level as Shadir Sanders. 
They missed like two field goals, had multiple turnovers. So I think this is a game, even with how well Colorado played, TCU should have won, right? But their quarterback just could not match what Shadur Sanders did. I think if they have Max Duggan, they easily win this game. Or maybe not easily, but like at least by 10 points, right? So I think TCU will still be good. I still think they'll go eight and four, maybe nine and three this year, seven and five on the low end. But I think this is a game where we should give Colorado credit. We should give Coach Prime, Travis Hunter, Shadir Sanders, and the rest of that roster credit rather than trying to criticize or clown TCU. TCU is a really good team, but on Saturday, Colorado was just a little bit better, right? Sometimes it happens like that. That's why you let the pads do the talking, Joy McGuire. Houston, I thought this was a really good win, beating a very formidable UTSA team that brought back a lot of talent from last year. This was the same UTSA team that was up 17-7 to on Texas, right? And a lot of people have picked Houston to be one of the down teams in the Big 12. People have picked Houston to be worse than West Virginia this year, which is crazy to me, you know, but whatever. You know, I have a lot of faith in Houston. I live in Houston, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. And I thought they got a good win. They were home underdogs to UTSA, but won by three points. So, you know, that's a good win for them. Oklahoma probably was the most impressive team in the Big 12. I'm not ashamed to say it. They beat Arkansas State 73 to 0. I know Arkansas State is not a team to write home about, but they were impressive, right? They scored 73 points, and I don't care who you're playing. If you can hold a team scoreless for 60 minutes, that's impressive for me. Their backup quarterback, true freshman Jackson Arnold, went 11 for 11 off the bench in his first ever college football game. Like I said, I don't care if it's Arkansas State. That's impressive to me. And then Dylan Gabriel started. He only missed three passes as well. They only missed three passes the entire game. Oklahoma was very impressive. They have a weak schedule this year, so I believe they'll look pretty impressive until we see them in the Red River shootout. Cincinnati, new team. They beat Eastern Kentucky 66-13. to Kansas State, a lot of people feel like they'll be playing Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Started off 45-0 against Southeast Missouri. Iowa State, 30 to nine over Northern Iowa. But the big news was that Hunter Deckers did not play. And I would expect that we will not see him this season based on all of the gambling allegations. Kansas 48 to Missouri State 17. They won handily. But the news there is that Jalen Daniels didn't play. He was dealing with some back spasms all of fall camp, and it was enough to keep him out of their first game. They play on Friday this week, so he'd probably be back on the field. It probably was just precautious, but once again, he didn't play in the first game, and he was the preseason pick to win Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. UCF beat Kent State 56 to 6. This was one of the first games on Thursday. They look really impressive and their quarterback plays baseball. So I'm just pulling on my heartstrings, right? I'm rooting for him for sure. Uh, I didn't risk, I didn't write the rest down. I know BYU beat somebody 14 to 0. Kyle Umlang picked BYU to beat Texas. Not if they can only score 14 points in their non-conference schedule. Oklahoma State won, but they weren't impressive. And then West Virginia just sucks, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I hate to be mean. West Virginia just sucks, but they did play a really good Penn State team. And I think they lost by 21. So that is your Big 12 roundup. Everything that happened in your least favorite conference that you didn't get enough time to check out. Like I said, Oklahoma was probably the most impressive team in the conference over the weekend. But we know in the long haul, it'll be your favorite football team hoisting that trophy in December if they get their shit together. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said, the Kool-Aid came today. I'll be a little bit more pessimistic tomorrow. Hook them. Peace.